Our first uh, scripture reading of the morning is from the Old Testament. I invite you to follow along as I read from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verses 11 through 18. Take care, it says, that you do not forget the Lord your God by failing to keep his commandments, his ordinances, and his statutes, which I am commanding you today. When you have eaten your fill and have built fine houses and live in them, and when your herds and flocks have multiplied, and your silver and gold is multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, then do not exalt yourself, forgetting the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrible wilderness, an arid wasteland with poisonous snakes and scorpions. He made water flow from you, for you from flint rock, and fed you in the wilderness with manna that your ancestors did not know to humble you and to test you and the end to do you good. Do not say to yourself, my power and the might of my own hand has gotten me this wealth. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you power to get wealth so that he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your ancestors as he is doing today. And friends. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So how many of you ever uh, watched the TV show Shark Tank? Shark Tank, I think it's on ABC. You probably can watch reruns on uh, CNBC. Um, I, it's been on, I think, over 10 years now. And I remember uh, watching it with my kids. And we just loved it, you know, that people would come on to, to pitch an idea, you know, to fix a problem, to save time, to save money. And so my kids and I, we would try to come up with uh, ways, uh, inventions that we think would be a help. And, and one night we got to talking and we said, wouldn't it be great if we could uh, in, invent an underwater phone? You know, you, your phone goes into water. Oh my gosh, it corrupts it. And then you got to throw it in rice. That may or not, may not work. But wouldn't it be great if you had an underwater phone? And we went on and on about this. And we started thinking, wait, how are you going to talk underwater? <laughs> not such a good invention. <laughs> Back when I was a little boy, I grew up on a street that had a cul-de-sac. We didn't live on the cul-de-sac, but we were on a street that had a cul-de-sac. And as you know, my father uh, was on the police department, but he also worked uh, with the, uh, the Westwood Road Department. And he brought home a tall orange construction cone. And we would bring that orange construction cone down to the cul-de-sac. We would put a ball on it, and we'd have a bat. We'd have people in the field, and we'd play what we called cone ball. Today, you call it what? t-ball. I'm a renaissance man. I was ahead of my time. And I didn't get a deal from the sharks. But you know the TV show Shark Tank. Entrepreneurs or these wannabe entrepreneurs will come on the show to kind of pitch their ideas to a panel of self-made billionaires, all in the hopes of getting a deal, growing their business, and making money, lots of money. And one of the sharks on the show is a, a venture capitalist whose name is Kevin O'Leary. And he says to just about every entrepreneur who comes on the show, it's all about money. It all comes down to making money. I do find the show entertaining. I love to see the ideas that people have. I love the back and forth banter from the entrepreneurs and from the sharks. But I wonder sometimes if there isn't an obsession and something wrong with making money. In other words, is the only 
way for people to find satisfaction in life is to bank it on fame, power, money, success. Is that the life that really brings true contentment? Well, as Presbyterians, I can tell you this. We, we believe that the pursuit of possessions is no way to fulfill and satisfy our lives. But what has kind of been drummed into our heads is, is the idea of the American dream. That, and that means that you have to have stuff, lots of stuff, lots of good stuff. Now, someone who's not on Shark Tank, uh, but is still very rich and famous, is Elon Musk. And, and between running uh, Tesla and, and leading a rocket startup uh, uh, venture called SpaceX and, and launching other futuristic endeavors, um, Elon Musk does not have a lot of spare time. In fact, during a Q&A session at a uh, Tesla shareholder meeting, he was asked the question, well, how do you relax after work? And he confessed that his after-hours agenda is usually more work. And then he added that he does have other pastimes and he does have other hobbies. Unfortunately, it's mostly going crazy on Twitter. And the only reason I bring that up is that it just shows that the irony of behind chasing the American dream. It, we think those are the things that will bring us happiness. And, and I guess another way of looking at it is what's called the most toys, least time syndrome. Most toys, least time syndrome. We've all heard the phrase, the one with the most toys wins, right? We've heard that. But pursuing the most toys also takes the most time and then leaves us the least amount of time to enjoy it. Most of us don't have our own airplanes or helicopters or the ability to go into space as a toy. But you know what? The same thing can happen to us as well. That, that dream home that you bought at the beach that was so special to you, hey, you know what? It might as well be in Africa for as much as it gets used. Or that treasured jet ski that you just had to have, it hasn't touched anything wet in about 18 months. Or that new outfit that you just had to have because it looked so beautiful hanging in the store at the mall. <laughs> it hangs in your closet and it still has the tags on it. Jesus said this, what good is it for a person to gain the whole world and yet forfeit your own soul? The fact is when we are too busy or preoccupied pursuing more and more and more, we leave little time in our lives for God. And if you think about it, time is going to erase all that we do anyway. What is the car of your dream, really? Maybe you drive it right now, that's okay. But what's the car of your dreams? Whatever it may be, just remember this. One day, your car is going to shrink to about the size of a small metal block. <laughs> and you know what? No matter how important you are in your job, someday someone else is going to occupy your office and have your job title. And then years after that, you are going to be such a distant memory that people are not even going to remember that you were ever there. So then, why love something that when push comes to shove is not even going to love you back? And then not only will all that we do fade with time, but while we are doing it, these ambitions are just not going to satisfy us. 
Relentless ambition divides us from other people and from all the things that are important to us. Albert Schweitzer said this, if you own something that you cannot give away, you don't own it. It owns you. Our second and kind of focused scripture reading today is from 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. Now, there's this verse. It's a verse that we think in our minds because we've heard it over and over, and, and, and we've gotten it wrong. How many of us think money is the root of all evil? Raise your hand if you think that. And you, you've got that jump. I'm on the only one. No one's raising their hands. Raise your hand. Don't leave me hanging. Thank you. Thank you very much. Even if you don't mean it, thank you for raising your hands. No, but we've had it. Oh, money's the root of all evil. Does it really say that? Because money is an object. It's a commodity. It, it's legal tender in this country that we use to, to buy and sell goods. So, what does the Bible really say? I'd like for us to take a look at this uh, second scripture reading. I'm beginning my sermon series on the Bible you thought you knew. Apparently, very few of you may have thought that, but that's okay. There'll be other sayings in the subsequent weeks. But this is what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. For the love, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And in their eagerness to be rich, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in a moment of prayer? Let us pray. Loving God, uh, this morning we pray that you would help us to set aside our obsessive pursuits of money, wealth, and success. Instead, focus on wealth in the spiritual realm. Help us to pursue the riches of a prayer life in which we whisper to you moment by moment our deepest desires. Give us the wealth of a church family filled with laughter and knowledge and belonging. Give us the wealth now of this worship hour as we discover together that when all we have is Jesus Christ, he is truly all we really need. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Well, the love of money, as I see it, is kind of a, a misplaced priority. It's an idol, and you know what God has to say about idols. Anything that is elevated over and above God or takes the place of God is an idol. And it's this twisted, distorted love that corrupts our hearts and leads to sin. Beneath the smiles and the hospitality and the handshakes of, in our business lives, it really is a doggy dog world. People trying to outdo each other. People trying to climb over each other. Just, of course, beneath the, 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 the mask of friendliness. In, in the movie uh, uh, Wall Street, uh, Charlie Sheen plays Bud, this, this young uh, stockbroker, and he asks his mentor, Gordon Gecko, played by uh, Michael Douglas, why did you wreck a small airplane company throwing thousands of people out of work? And Gordon Gecko says simply, because it was wreckable. Another way of looking at it, it's, it's a love of money and, and, and of power. Well, if we follow that path, where do you think it will leave us? 
I tell you where it will leave us. It will leave us isolated and all alone. Friends, status and success are no substitute for the need to love and then be loved by others. Listen uh, to these uh, desperate words of a Hollywood star who said this one time. I have days when I just sit there and everything is beautiful and every paper clip is in place. But you know, it's not very good for you. And it's all a bit empty. I guess one of my words to you this morning is not to be snookered by this obsession to acquire and accumulate, especially something that's not going to love you back. Because in the end, it will all leave us feeling a bit empty. And I think one of the reasons why we, quote, love money is because we have this fear. We are afraid of what our lives would look like without it. And so for some of us, I wonder if it's not so much a love of money, it's, there, it's that we're afraid if we didn't have enough. Someone said, you know, we all live in fear. My hairline is in recession. My waistline is in inflation. And I'm in depression. <laughs> but it's true. We become scared of the conditions around us. And so we, we wind up being overly protective. And, and that leads to selfishness. We worry about the economy. We worry about the gas prices. We worry about uh, being able to, uh, to, to pay for uh, the mortgage if I suddenly lost my job. Uh, we pray uh, and worry that my 401k won't become a 201k. We worry about how in the world I'm going to afford my, my child's college education. We worry about what would happen if my husband or wife became seriously ill. And so it says in 1 Timothy, in their eagerness to be rich, some wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains. Now, just to be fair, wealth and success are not necessarily bad. So please hear me. In fact, throughout the Bible, it's made very clear that wealth is a gift from God. Abraham was wealthy. David was fabulously wealthy. Solomon was even more wealthy than David. There was Queen Esther. And then in the New Testament, there was Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus the Pharisee. And then in the book of Acts, there's this man named Barnabas. He sold some of his real estate holdings and he used the proceeds to bankroll the ministry of the early church. So there is a distinction between wealth and a love of money. But if we put all of the, of, of the world, of the money of the world into this, like a pie and sliced it up into 10 pieces... And me having two slices means you wouldn't have any. That would be greedy. That would be selfish. But one of the things we've learned is that if you put wealth to work, the results can be dynamic. Because wealth comes from a combination of resources and creativity, education. And yes, plain old hard work. Do you know where post-it notes came from? I'm going to say it again. Shark Tank. No, it didn't come from Shark Tank. <laughs> it precedes Shark Tank. Well, at least according to Tom Peters in his book, In Search of Excellence. He says, we said, there was a scientist who was working at 3M, and he had this bright idea. The scientist sang in the choir of his church. Now, the choir used these regular slips of paper to mark the hymnals, you know, on the hymns that they would sing for that Sunday. But those uh, little slips of paper were always sliding out of the hymn book. And so one night, he took, took choir with him, these little yellow strips of paper that had some adhesive on the back. 
And the choir members began using those little yellow strips of paper with the adhesive on the back. And they were delighted because those sticky pages did not rip, rip the hymn pages. And so some people began to ask the scientists for extra pieces of the sticky paper so that they could use it for grocery lists and memos and things to put by the phone in their home. Sure enough, the 3M Corporation realized they had a huge hit on their hands. Created wealth, jobs, food on tables, and housing for people. And so wealth is a gift from God. But when wealth and the love of money is the one thing that, that dominates our mind from, from dawn until dusk, then I'm telling you, there's going to come a day when we wake up and it's just going to leave us hollow and, and empty to the core. And so if you are someone who has this kind of unsatisfied, unsettled uh, nature in your heart, um, maybe this is a wake-up call. And if that's where you are today, maybe some of you are asking question, well, then, John, what's the answer? What's the answer? And the answer is generosity. I think we ought to put generosity on our board of directors. The Christian writer Calvin Miller said this, the world is poor because our treasure is buried in the sky and all our treasure maps are of the earth. And what that simply means is we need to look for treasure in the sky and you don't have to be rich to realize that you're going to spend a lot more time in eternity than you are driving a Tesla in this world. So then why spend a lifetime of energy and resources trying to build your own kingdom rather than turn the keys over to somebody who will be there for you to greet you in eternity? So friends, real success is in figuring out the truth that God wants us to follow him into eternity and to rest on the assurance that our lives and all of our hopes and dreams and ambitions are under control. You know, America loves to read the books of John Grisham. How many of you read, how many of you have John Grisham books? A lot, okay, lots of you have. So the greatest struggle in John Grisham's life is an effort to keep his worldly triumph in perspective because John Grisham is a follower of Jesus Christ. In, in an interview a while back, he talked about how he received Christ in his heart when he was a little boy, I think about eight years old, said it was the signature event in his life. But then he drifted away from Christianity, but then he rededicated his life to Christ during his senior year of law school when his best friend died of cancer. Well, the interviewer asked uh, John Grisham, how do you keep this, meaning all the success, all the fame, all the wealth, in perspective? This is what he said. John Grisham replied, I go for long walks in the woods a lot. And I often ask myself how I'm handling my success and whether I'm handling it appropriately. He then added, I don't know why God has given me all this, but I am able to give a lot of money to his work. Maybe that's why. So, you know, my, my takeaway is that John Grisham does not love money. In fact, he and his wife, Renee, teach Sunday school in, in the church that they attend. He's gone on a number of mission trips to Brazil. And then he said, I firmly believe it will be over one of these days, five, ten years from now. The books will stop selling for whatever reason. All this is temporary. 
Well, the way we fight against the, uh, the sin of a love of money is to focus instead on godly things. Jesus says, whoever among you wishes to be great, what, live in the right neighborhood? Drive a Tesla? Invest in Bitcoin? Be a Presbyterian? The secret of success, Jesus says, was be a servant. He says, you will, win the, you will win the hearts and minds of every person you meet if you come to them as a servant. When we do that, our desire and our search for meaning in possessions, it, it, it dissipates, it's diffused, and it's replaced with what is truly important, loving God and serving him. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Lord God, uh, we as humans are so lost. <laughs> um, and the more lost we are, it seems the faster we run. And, and the more wrong we know we are, the more we insist we are right. How, how we thank you for the honesty of Jesus who said, what profit is there if you gain the whole world and lose eternal life? And so, Lord, help us to get off the highway of loving money and enjoy, really enjoy what you have given us. Teach us to understand the difference between striving for excellence that you call us to and that unhealthy ambition and love of money that, that hurts others and separates us from you. And God, we pray that we would have success, no doubt, but success that builds up and does not tear down. We pray that our wealth would increase your kingdom, not simply feather our own nest. And Lord, we pray that our dreams would be a blessing that brings hope to people. Use our wealth, whether we have a lot or whether we have a little, for your glory and your kingdom. As we pray these things in Christ's name, amen.